Hey guys, welcome in to today's episode of Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Blake Lovell, and happy opening day of college baseball season uh, to SEC baseball fans, and we'll get there eventually. But right now, as we know, some very important basketball games being played, um, and there are a lot of exciting ones on Saturday's slate. So we jump into our SEC Saturday preview and predictions. Um, I went 3-0 and with my Wednesday picks, but I would not be surprised if I'm 3-7 and uh, after Saturday's games. It's been that kind of season uh, around the league, but let's jump right in. We start with uh, Mississippi State at Arkansas. This is, I guess you could label, bubble game part one. Arkansas has lost 6-8. of eight. Simply have to have this one right now. They're among the last four teams in uh, from ESPN's uh, Joe Lenardi, who released his latest bracket on Friday morning. Uh, Arkansas among the last four in. So that tells you where they stand. As for Mississippi State, uh, they are off the bubble now after that loss at Ole Miss, but they can you know play their way back onto it with a win here. Uh, and for Arkansas, you know their road game at Florida is next, and this is one I think you just you have to have if you're. Arkansas. If you want to continue to stay there, have a chance to move forward, not you know fall out of the field at this point, um, this is a game you have to win. Uh, and the same goes you know, for Mississippi State. If you want to play your way back on to the bubble, um, knowing that you don't have a ton of huge quality win opportunities left in the regular season, uh, this is a big one for Mississippi State. And so when you look back at the first game between these two, Mississippi State won 77-70, and Starkville Reggie Perry dominated that game 26 points, 13 rebounds. He also got to the foul line 15 times. Um, and so that size advantage is still something that's going to be glaring here. And it didn't really, well, you know, it wasn't a huge impact in the first game. And you probably thought it would have been a lot more than it was uh, from a rebounding standpoint, but it really wasn't a huge deal. Uh, but yet Arkansas is still going to have those times, I think, against teams like Mississippi State where there could be some inconsistencies in terms of rebounding uh, and all that. And this is one where Arkansas is going to have to focus on you know defending the paint and preventing any offensive rebound opportunities that's much easier said than done but that is going to be a big focus here I think for the Hawks uh, because they have to keep Reggie Perry off the boards they have to keep this very athletic you know lengthy type of team that Mississippi State is they have to keep them from getting second chance opportunities if they can do that uh, they're going to have a good chance to win this game. And Arkansas still you know, has the top three-point field goal defense in the country, but it doesn't really mean a whole lot in a game like this where Mississippi State is a team that wants to get its points from inside the arc. They don't necessarily want to take a ton of threes. And so that's going to be how this game plays out here. You've got an Arkansas team that focuses a lot on its guards. You've got a Mississippi State team that wants to get it to a big guy in Reggie Perry um, while still having some very good guards uh, that can make plays. I I look at this game, and I think you're going to see a very focused effort here from both teams, knowing that Arkansas is in sort of a must-win situation, knowing that Mississippi State is coming off of a blowout loss at Ole Miss. Um, Very, very important game for both teams. This is a toss-up, and we're going to say that a couple times here when we look at Saturday's games, uh, because there are several of them that just feel like toss-ups. You don't really know which way they're going to go. Uh, I am going to go here with Arkansas 70, 
Mississippi State 69. So there you go, a one-point game. Arkansas's at home, and I think if this game was at Mississippi State, I'd flip it in the other direction. I just think knowing Bud Walton is going to be rocking, I think everyone understands the magnitude of this game, knowing how important it is to Arkansas's NCAA tournament chances. Um, I feel like Arkansas and Mason Jones are going to sort of rise to the occasion here and have a chance uh, to pick up a really, really much-needed win. Um, So I'll take the Hogs here uh, to get the victory in this one. Uh, Ole Miss will travel to Kentucky. The Rebels have won three straight, uh, but, of course, winning at Rupp Arena is a different animal. Um, For Ole Miss, I mean, they have a lot of confidence. They have a lot of momentum. um, And if there is one key to having a chance to, to win at Rupp Arena, it's having a star player and certainly having another 40-point game from Brian Tyree would be a nice thing, I think, for Ole Miss uh, in this one because uh, he is just a playmaker. We talked about it, um, what he did against Mississippi State. Uh, he can just change a game you know, at, at a moment's notice because he's that good, and if he is able to take over a game like this, knowing that the guys he's going to be going up against, and you know, Ashton Hagens and Emmanuel Quickly and all these other guys, um, it would be huge because that's what Ole Miss needs from him is they need him to score you know I'm not saying they need him to score 40 points every night but they need him to be you know a consistent score every single night and certainly he's one of those guys that has proven that he can be you know over the past couple of years um, he's someone you can rely on for, for, for quality scoring and that's what they're going to need here at Kentucky on the flip side I feel like this is a game where Nick Richards can really assert himself and knowing how well Kentucky's starting to play, um, you know, we're seeing, as I, as I mentioned this before in one of our previous episodes, um, you're just seeing these guys start to play really well off of each other. And when you have a younger team where you're adding in freshmen, um, it can take a little while, you know, for that chemistry to get there. But the more experience you get playing with each other on the court, uh, you know, that, that helps you build that chemistry. And we're seeing that with Kentucky, where when they get in some of these games, I mean, look at the two games. They had double-digit deficits against Vanderbilt. Uh, These guys just seemed to know what they needed to do, and they played well off of each other, you know, to accomplish what they needed to do. Uh, And that helped them, you know, make rallies in those two games specifically, but it's helped them win some games uh, here recently. And I think you're starting to see Kentucky make its move, which is nothing, again, that's unsurprising here uh, in February. It seems like that's always the case for the Cats under John Calipari. He has a young team to start the season. They start to get older because they're getting more experience. And once they get into that latter stage of SEC play, uh, they really you know, have a chance to hit their groove. And so uh, it's really hard to pick against Kentucky here, knowing even as well as Bree and Tyree has played, uh, I think Ole Miss is going to, to be in a spot where I just, you know, it's hard to win at Rupp, plain and simple. It's not easy to win there, um, knowing that Kentucky has a lot of confidence right now, even though Ole Miss does too. Uh, I'm going to go Kentucky 78 Ole Miss 63. Uh, I think the Cats are in the position uh, to get a a nice win here and to sort of keep things rolling right along here as they played pretty well as of late. Uh, All right, Georgia at Texas A&M. The Bulldogs won the first game uh, in Athens by 15, and uh, it was not exactly uh, an offensive uh, powerhouse type of game. 63 to 48 uh, was the final score in that one. And um, these are two teams that that certainly it's a clash of styles on offense. Uh, Georgia likes to push the pace. Uh, They're in the top 45 in the country in average offensive possession length. Uh, Meanwhile, Texas A&M 
uh, is 320 seconds. So that just sort of shows you that these two teams play very different on offense. And uh, you know the focus here is going to be Anthony Edwards. And you know the Aggies are going to focus in on him because he had 29 points and 15 rebounds in that first meeting. Uh, No one else on the Georgia roster hit double figures in scoring. So uh, that's something where we know no matter who Georgia plays, Anthony Edwards is always going to be someone that's going to be a primary focus for the defense. And knowing that Texas A&M, as we've said before, is a team that is very stingy on defense. They're not easy to score against. Uh, but I think one of the, the positives here for Georgia is that you know they can look back at this game that the Texas A&M just played against Florida and see some of the things that Florida did well, you know, to be able to to push beyond that, push beyond, uh, you know, some of the the issues other teams have had with Texas A and M on defense. And so I think that Georgia has a chance here to maybe go on the road and steal one. Um, and then because they have played better on the road recently than they did at the start of SEC play, they didn't look great at all on the road early in SEC play. But they've started to, to play better, even though they they just haven't found those wins. Uh, and then again, this is still an inexperienced team that can't shoot and struggles with turnovers. So relying on a team like that to win on the road is probably not the best thing to do. But I I tend to think that Georgia has to you know they have to win one of these games. Like the, it's just. They're going to find a way to win one of these games, and I think it's going to be because Anthony Edwards is just so good that he's going to have one of those games. And we even look back at that game at Florida. I know they lost that game, but you see how quickly he can change a game um, and and knowing that that they can sort of feed off of some of the things they did well in that first meeting between the two teams a couple weeks ago. uh, I'm going to go with Georgia here. I don't know that this is a toss-up. Like I said, this is another one you can put in that toss-up category. Uh, But I'm going to go with Georgia here, 64-62 in this game. I I think it's going to be close. I think it is probably going to be a lower-scoring type of game, uh, sort of like it was last time, maybe not to that extent. Uh, but I will take the Bulldogs here. Uh, but as I said, good luck trying to figure this one out because uh, we've seen inconsistencies with both these two teams and uh, not really sure what to expect uh, from the Bulldogs or the Aggies in this one. Uh, but coming up, uh, two top 25 teams are going to hit the road, and we have another bubble watch game uh, between Tennessee and South Carolina, two teams that maybe aren't on the bubble right now but have opportunities to play their way onto it given uh, their schedule down the stretch. And uh, Florida is going to try to hold off an improved Vanderbilt squad. Uh, We'll jump into those games coming up here on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, LSU at Alabama. The Tigers uh, completely dominated the glass in the first game between these two teams. And as we know, that was also a theme in Alabama's game against Auburn here recently. Um, Alabama has not rebounded it very well, and that's something that they are going to have to get better at if they want to win games like this. And, you know, that's where I think Herbert Jones' availability comes into play here because we saw him, even in the minutes he was on the court, which was not a lot, we saw that he can be a game-changer for Alabama. I mean, they are just a better team when he's on the court. Um, you look back at the previous meeting these two teams played, LSU won the game pretty handily, and it was because of the, their ability to, to dominate the glass. Um, and it was also, you know, Alabama went 10 of 38 from three-point range in that game. Uh, Trenton Wofford and Emmett Williams both had double-doubles uh, for LSU. Uh, so the, the thing here is, you know, this can go a couple different ways. 
How does Alabama respond, you know, after pushing Auburn in that overtime thriller that they had? Uh, Because you should be able to gain a lot of confidence from that, and you should be able to gain a little momentum. Even in a loss, even in a rivalry game, uh, there are so many different positives, and we discussed those on Thursday's episode. Um, There are a lot you can take away from that from a positive standpoint, aside from, you know, maybe some of the issues defending and maybe some of the issues rebounding. Uh, And when you consider that LSU is not a great defensive team, and they haven't been the entire season. That's the one thing we've heard Will Wade talk about all season long is that sometimes this team just doesn't play well on defense, and we saw that, you know, scoring 90 points in back-to-back games and losing both of those, um, you know, the two games that they lost So uh, to Vanderbilt and Auburn. And so I think LSU is a team that, you know, their, their inconsistency on defense can be something that stands out a lot here, especially on the road. And when you consider this, LSU's given up 85 points or more in three of their last four SEC road games. Of course, with the 90 points, 90 points or more in back-to-back road games uh, at Vanderbilt and Auburn. So um, this is a spot where I think if, if Alabama can just come out and, and take, you know, the type of shots that they want to take in their offense, and we mentioned, you know, maybe there are a couple shots they'd like to have back, but for the most part, I thought their shot selection was fine at Auburn. And you know, yes, I know they took a lot of threes, and you're probably not going to see them take 59 threes in this game. Uh, but I still think if Alabama can find the shots they want, and there's a chance they're going to be able to because LSU hasn't been a great defensive team, uh, the Tide are going to have a chance to win this game. Um, and when you look at it from a tournament resume standpoint, Alabama's numbers, you know, from a, a quality win perspective, still not where they need to be. They're still okay in the net and all that, but they've got to get quality wins. And as I said before, you know, this week started with these games. Alabama needs to go at least one and one this week in their games against Auburn and LSU to really be able to maybe go down the stretch here with a chance of going into the SEC tournament and potentially maybe only needing to win a game or two there uh, to get to the NCAA tournament. We don't know how it's going to play out. We don't know how it's going to you know impact with other bubble teams and all that. But this is essentially a must-win for Alabama if it wants to stay in that race in terms of getting another win, you know, a, a very, very good win that they can put on their resume. Um, and, you know, because if, if they don't, you just, again, you look at their schedule the rest of the way, they're not going to get two opportunities like Auburn LSU. The, these are, are just two great opportunities back-to-back here uh, for the Tide. And knowing that, you know, they sort of let that, that one against Auburn slip away uh, when they had chances to win it, um, I think this is one where they they did build some confidence from that Auburn game, and that's going to carry over into this game. Um, LSU, as we've seen, just hasn't necessarily played that well on the road. They didn't, you know, they made the plays and they won yet another close game and coming back against Missouri. But but LSU is still a team that's been a little up and down here in the past couple weeks. Um, so because of that, and I know Alabama fans don't want to hear this because the running joke is anytime I pick Alabama to win, uh, they always lose. Or anytime, you know, I pick Alabama to lose, they always either win or play really well and almost win. Uh, I'm going to pick Alabama here. I, I'm going to go Alabama 82 LSU 80, I think it's a high-scoring type of game, knowing that, that both teams are not exactly great on defense at times. Um, but knowing that, that Alabama really needs this win, uh, I think they step up here. I think you see Kyra Lewis, John Petty, Jaden Shackelford. I think they have big games, and you know it's, it's going to be a fun one. This is one that could very well be the most exciting game on the slate uh, because this is a game that Alabama really needs to win, and LSU 
really wants to stay in the SEC regular season title race. So uh, this is one to, to circle because uh, even if you're not a fan of either team, uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, speaking of Auburn, Auburn travels to Missouri. And uh, something here to watch is, as my friend uh, Matt Harris, uh, who uh, does some great work uh, over at Rock M Nation with uh, Sam Snelling as well, uh, love, to, love those two guys, and they do great work over there for Missouri basketball. Um, and as Matt has said throughout the season, and he's noted this many times Missouri tends to foul a lot and that's not a great setup against an Auburn squad that does a good job of getting to the free throw line and you know we've seen this season the Tigers want to get to the free throw line even though they haven't shot a a great percentage it's gotten a little bit better in terms of being more consistent from the line Uh, but they want to attack more because they're just not as good of a three-point shooting team and so uh, Missouri they struggle you know to to stay out of foul trouble and that's something here that they just can't afford they can't afford to get in foul trouble against an Auburn team that, that's probably going to challenge them inside, knowing what Austin Wiley can do, uh, knowing you know Samir Dowdy, Javon McCormick, these guys who can attack. Um, I think this is one where Missouri's really going to have to take a focus here uh, on making sure they do not get into foul trouble. And the big thing here, and it's something that everybody's going to be talking about, you know, how does Isaac Okoro's injury impact the Auburn Tigers and how does it you know sort of affect what they are going to do uh, here in this game and moving forward you know for however long he's out and that's what we're saying you know I'm recording this on Friday morning I uh, don't really know exactly the time frame on when he's going to be coming back uh, haven't really heard anything on that that could change before Saturday's game we don't know uh, but uh, not having him on the floor even as good of a defender he's been he's been you know very good on offense too and he's someone that just has a great all-around game uh, at this point uh, and yes it's going to be, make an impact because uh, you know let's say Missouri gets in a game here where we've seen Missouri get hot on their home court I mean that you know and then they played well at LSU we got to give them credit for that too because um, this is a team that's starting to play a little bit better um, and, and I'll tell you I don't necessarily love this spot for Auburn without having a Coro on the floor um, against a team that as we're saying is playing with more confidence Missouri is playing with more confidence right now and, and, you know, Auburn's last four SEC road games, they are what they are. Uh, they've lost two of those, you know, by 19-plus. Those were the games at Florida and Auburn, or Florida and Alabama. Uh, and they had the two overtime wins at Ole Miss and Arkansas. So it's not as though Auburn is just going on the road and just beating people by 20-something points. Uh, we know that because Auburn has won a lot of close games. And we look at the overtime streak here. Is it going to continue? Is Auburn really going to play another overtime game uh, in this one? I'm going to say probably not, although at this point nothing would surprise me uh, with this Auburn team. I do think it's going to be a grind for Auburn here. I really do because not having a Coro, knowing that Missouri is a type of team that can – you know, they, they can make this sort of a, a grinded-out slugfest type of game. I mean, they really can. Um, but I just – how do you pick against Bruce Pearl's team right now? I just don't know how you do it, uh, even in a setup like this, without a Coro, with Missouri playing better. I just don't – you know, until someone proves that they can beat this team in these close game situations – I think you probably have to go with Auburn here. So I'm going to go Auburn 69, Missouri 65, maybe a little closer than people think. Uh, but, uh, again, I don't I don't know how you pick against Auburn right now given uh, how confident they are and how they're winning all these games. Uh, Tennessee at South Carolina. This is another, you know, bubble type of game where, like I mentioned, they are both trying to play their way back onto the bubble. Uh, Tennessee has a really tough schedule down the stretch. Uh, South Carolina right there, you know, tied for fourth. Florida has the tiebreaker right now, but South Carolina Carolina still in a position 
to have a chance to you know potentially lock up another uh, first round buy in the SEC tournament. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll see how things uh, continue to unfold for both of these teams. But it's just a, it's an important game, and I know the big thing with South Carolina. Everyone was talking about on uh, Thursday uh, that the school you know received their notice of allegations, uh, given the stuff uh, from, from the FBI and all that. Uh, the school issued a statement. You know they, they noted as you know as expected. You know it doesn't involve any current players or staff members. Where that goes, I don't know. Uh, people have asked me that i'm not really sure who knows where things go with this whole deal as we've seen since this whole thing started uh, who knows where everything goes but in this game alone i don't think that's going to be a distraction here um it is a big step you know it is a big game for both teams uh the first game was uh the definition i think of a slugfest 56 to 55 uh, tennessee won that first game in knoxville uh, both teams turned it over a lot they didn't particularly shoot it well uh, not sure what the under is yet, but may, maybe take the under here. Although I think my score prediction is probably going to be uh, the over because I think we could could maybe see these two teams uh, find a little offense here. But uh, the under is probably the better bet if you're someone uh, who likes to bet. Uh, John Fulkerson in that game, I think he's someone to keep an eye on. He had a double-double in that game, and I still think he's the key for Tennessee moving forward. If he can play as well as he has at times, um, that's a big difference because Tennessee's got to have that paint presence. And having him in there, rebounding, being able to score, um, you know, and in a game like this, here's another thing to know. We just talked about Missouri's foul, foul struggles. South Carolina is 350th nationally in fouls per game. While Tennessee has been able to get, you know, a decent chunk of their points this season from the foul line. So you better believe that Rick Barnes and his team know that, and they're going to try, you know, to to force South Carolina into committing those fouls so Tennessee can get to the line. Um, and so that that's one thing that could really be, you know, sort of the X factor here is can Tennessee force South Carolina into foul trouble? Can Tennessee get to the line on a regular basis? If they can do that, they've got a chance to win this game. If they're not, um, you know, then I think it's going to be hard to score against South Carolina. So that that has to be a focus for Tennessee, and it, it does go back to someone like Fulkerson, um, who who could do, you know, be one part of that to, to be able to to maybe cause some of those fouls in the paint get to the free throw line that's going to be important here the Gamecocks have won uh, four straight home games and uh, the last three have been by 20 or more points so they play really well at home Um, and so that that I think makes it hard to pick against them even though I do think this is a game where as we saw in the previous meeting uh, it was really just a you know a game that could turn into a defensive battle here uh, between these two teams because uh, you know we we've seen maybe on offense at times um, they don't have the greatest flow either one of them uh, but uh, I do think that this could be a game that that could really you know potentially be lower scoring although as you're going to see here in a second from my score prediction i'm just going to think that there's probably going to be enough free throw attempts that people are going to be able to put points on the board um but because south carolina has played so well at home as of late uh i still think they're the better pick here uh but this is one that throw it into the mix with with a toss-up could be a toss-up who knows um i could see this game going either way but uh, i will take south carolina 73 tennessee 71 uh, another great game here because uh, both teams would like to pick up a win and try to continue to improve their resume uh, to the point to potentially uh, getting into the ncaa tournament uh we wrap up the games uh for saturday with vanderbilt at florida both teams here obviously playing much better the commodores specifically uh, looking at them uh they are playing with a lot more confidence they're just playing with a lot more of a 
you know, I don't know what it is that there's just something where getting that that monkey off their back in terms of that losing streak, I think it's just been huge. And and they're playing with the toughness that I think we saw early in the season. That really hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, that's something that stood out to me early in the season. These guys play hard. They play tough. Um, they may not have the depth that other SEC teams have, but it's just it's really fun to watch their development, and they've developed really well. Uh, the first game these two game these two teams played, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. It was a grind for the Gators. It was 61-55 in Nashville, um, and Vanderbilt had 17 turnovers in that game, and that didn't help matters much because Florida didn't really turn the ball over a lot uh, in that one. I think they only had seven turnovers uh, in that game. So when you look at it from that standpoint, you know, if Vanderbilt doesn't make a couple mistakes here or there, they probably have a chance to win that game. And we've seen that with Vanderbilt in the, the game, the two games we mentioned against Kentucky. Uh, but they've played better, even in the game at Mississippi State. I think, the, you know, the Commodores had their chances to win. Um, and so I don't think going on the road and playing at Florida is going to necessarily be something that just, you know, you automatically just assume that Vanderbilt's going to come out and get blown out. It's just I don't think you do that anymore because the Commodores are playing too well right now. Um, you know, Kerry Blackshear, actually didn't have a great game in that first meeting. Uh, It was his second lowest scoring game of the season, which is a little surprising to me uh, when you consider that that Vanderbilt doesn't have a ton of experience inside. Uh, But knowing that, that, you know, you look at at how these two teams are playing, and I tend to think we're seeing Florida turn a corner here, uh, but still not completely sure. I'm not not ready to just completely trust them just yet. Uh, And and knowing that the Commodores have played well in a couple of road games here recently, um, it makes this one hard to to predict. Uh, But uh, Florida probably still, you know, the better choice here uh they're at home and they're in another spot where you know they're in that that mix when we talk about the ncaa tournament i mean they're right now they're on the better side of the bubble um but uh they're they're not a lock and so they can't afford to lose this game uh, as we've said you know go back to that game at old miss we thought that was one that they couldn't afford to lose they lost it Definitely the Texas A&M one wasn't one they could afford to lose, and they won that one. So this is the same scenario. They have to win this game or else, you know, they go right back to being in that conversation uh, of a team that could potentially miss the tournament. Um, And so uh, this is a big game for Florida. I think the Gators will find a way to win this one. I'm going to go Florida 81, Vanderbilt 72. A bit more of scoring in this one, too, sort of like the South Carolina-Tennessee game uh, than the first meeting. But, uh, you know, a lot of fouls called in the SEC. So (laughs) we could see a little bit more scoring here. Uh, in this one. But coming up, uh, yes, it's the weekly mailbag. It is here uh, with a lot of random questions on SEC basketball and life. Yes, life. Uh, we'll get to those next right here on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we wrap up this episode uh, of the podcast with the weekly mailbag. And for those of you who have no idea what the weekly mailbag is, uh, just know that uh, it is something that I used to do on uh, my SEC basketball podcast that I did, and now we're going to bring it over here to the Locked On SEC podcast, and it is essentially a free-for-all in that uh, a lot of random questions, some of them are serious, some of them are not serious, and uh, it's mostly just to have a lot of fun. You guys send them in on Twitter at the Blake level, and you can send those in. We're going to do this uh, every Friday here moving forward, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun, as you'll see uh, from some of these questions. So let's dive right in, and uh, we'll try to sort of alternate the serious and uh, not-so-serious questions uh, here, but uh, maybe a little bit more of the the non-serious ones, but we like having fun. So first question from my friend uh, Joseph Nardone. He asks, what's better, pancakes, bacon, sausage, eggs, or coffee? And you can only choose one. Uh, I would probably go bacon. 
in that scenario. Uh, next question from my friend Gene. Uh, he wants to know, will the podcast eventually be offering consoling services that help over-obsessive fans overcome tough losses? Uh, Gene, I don't think we're ever going to get to that point. Um, I understand that uh, some of these, you know, losses in sports are really hard for you guys. Um, but uh, as devoted fans, I think that I'm probably not someone who's going to be able to to offer you those kinds of services. Although, as we continue to, to do here on the podcast, we are, are looking for advertisers. So uh, if there's anyone that, that wants to advertise and perhaps offer those services, uh, that's an option for you, my friend. And uh, we'll see if anyone steps up and uh, gives us uh, that option there. Uh, next question from uh, Royal Payne. Uh, he wants to know, is it possible the atmosphere at Auburn Arena and the success of the team light a fire under the Alabama administration to put the Coleman Project on the front burner. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I know that's something Alabama fans keep talking about. They, they want to see uh, you know, that, that project move forward, and they would like to, to see an atmosphere that you know, gives them a, a chance to, to maybe you know, add that type of element. And I don't, I don't want to get back into the Alabama and Auburn comparisons because, as I said yesterday, I know you guys, uh, when, I'm, when I'm trying to you know, be positive about both teams, and I know one of you uh, are going to simultaneously love me and hate me at the same time. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, I think it's something that, not just at Alabama, I think there are a lot of other places around the SEC where teams are looking at, at this and saying, hey, we have to create a, a better home atmosphere. How do we do that? Uh, what are the, the steps that need to be made? Uh, and so I don't think you're just going to see that in Alabama. I think you're going to see that uh, in a lot of different places here moving forward where some decisions have to be made uh, on that specifically. Uh, next question, Keith asks, uh, who is the worst fit for their program, Tom Crean at Georgia or Jerry Stackhouse at Vandy? Uh, I don't really think we have a question or an answer to that just yet, Keith. Um, I don't. I think it's still a little bit too early. I know people are frustrated with, with Tom Crean this season, uh, but Jerry Stackhouse, I, just, I don't think you can even make that determination anywhere close uh, knowing that how how well this team has played as of late for first starters I mean I don't know how you could necessarily call it a, a bad fit at all because um, he's only not even a full season into the job and his team lost its best player and is now you know playing really really well and beat the the number one team in the SEC uh, at one point so uh, I just I think it's too early to make that determination uh, on either one of those guys uh, Florida basketball hour great podcast by the way uh, for uh, anyone who is a Florida basketball fan wants to know uh, is Canadian bacon uh, just ham great question I don't know the answer to that but I'll tell you I love Canadian bacon as you heard from my answer earlier uh, bacon there you go um, so uh, maybe we'll get a bacon sponsor here on the podcast uh, Philip Jordan uh, wants to know uh, what does Auburn look like with a Coro not in the lineup? It's a good question, Philip, and uh, I think we're about to find out. Certainly, to see you know his presence on defense, how do they look without him? Because uh, he's such a great defender, but as I said, he's also someone that can score it. Um, and so I, I don't know. I think this is. I really think this Missouri game is, is sort of an intriguing one to see how they look without him because Missouri can play well on defense. Uh, as I said, that they've been able to, to score it well enough on offense at times, especially at home. Um, so we're going to find out what they look like without a Coro on the floor. Uh, no doubt, though, they're better with him on the floor, uh, and hopefully he's back soon because uh, I, I think they're, they're a different team, but they still have good depth, and uh, we'll see how it unfolds there uh, for the Tigers without a Coro on the court. Uh, from my friend Hunter Johnson, the one and only, uh, of course he asked this question, 
Uh, was Auburn's win last night the greatest in hashtag IBOB history? As we know, that is the Iron Bowl of basketball. Uh, and he wanted to know if Auburn's win uh, against Alabama was the greatest in Iron Bowl of basketball history. Uh, he knows the answer to that. Of course it was. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know the running theme here, Alabama fans are sold on me being an Auburn fan. And this is the running joke that we have on Twitter. Uh, and you're going to continue to hear this. So uh, don't be surprised. If you get a lot of mailbag questions here on the podcast uh, with people asking me about my love for Auburn and all that, uh, we have fun with it, and uh, I love all you guys. So uh, the next question uh, from Jacob Varner uh, wants to know, This is uh, you notice the theme here, all these Auburn ones, um, people people just trying to pick on me, although Jacob's uh, is a little bit different. He asks, if Jalen Green uh, picks Auburn, who will be the runner-up in the NCAA tournament? Great question, Jacob. Um, hopefully, for the sake of my podcast listens, it would be Alabama because I'd love to see an Auburn-Alabama uh, national championship in college basketball. Uh, that would be a boost for the Lockdown SEC uh, ratings. So uh, hopefully that's the case. We'll see. Um, Stewart wants to know, um, let's see, would you be in favor of a parquet court resurgence? Yes, I would absolutely be in favor of that. Uh, I love uh, those courts. So, yes, that's, uh, let's bring them back. Uh, next question from uh, Kenshin <laughs> wants to know, when is uh, at Carrie Chimp getting his segment on the podcast? If anyone doesn't know, uh, really the mailbag became popular because of my friend um, at Carrie uh, Chimp, uh, Chimp Carrie on Twitter, uh, because he asked some of the uh, greatest questions that you could ever ask for in a mailbag segment. Uh, I'm really disappointed that he didn't get his in actually for this one uh, because uh, he asks a lot of questions that are that are very random, but they're very SEC basketball-based in that I can't remember some of the ones he's asked before, but trust me, whenever you hear a question, I won't even name who it is. You'll know it's from uh, the Chimp Man, and uh, he'll probably be on the podcast at some point. We're going to try to get him on. Uh, he's a very entertaining guy, and so well, we're going to try to get him on here. Uh, at some point uh let's see uh jackson wants to know when is the soonest uh, you could project vandy getting back into the ncaa tournament um that's a tough one too to project because uh, i think that you look at it and you know it's and look as well as they played down the stretch here i mean i'm not saying they're going to get in this year but at least they're building positive momentum moving forward for the program. I think that's where recruiting comes into play, too. How well they recruit is going to be a good answer to that. Um, you know, over the next couple of years, where, where do they go from here? But we've seen the SEC basketball landscape changes each season. And so you can see teams rise up pretty quickly. All you need is just, you know, <laughs> certainly a chance to – to be able to, to have a, a deep roster and guys that you can turn to, uh, you know, in key situations. And I think they have a young group there that's really good. We've seen these guys really progress thus far this season. Um, so I, it's, a, it's a tough question to answer, but but I wouldn't be surprised if Jerry Stackhouse has this team, you know, turning a corner here uh, over the next couple of years for sure and being able to, to maybe get back into the mix uh, like they were uh, at one point. Uh, my friend Painter, Painter Sharpless, uh, he wants to know, by the way, host of the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. So if you're an Ole Miss fan, come check that out. Uh, Painter's question is very simple. Who is your favorite? Um, well, you are Painter. You are my favorite. Um, and uh, you will continue to be my favorite. So uh, that's, uh, that's a pretty simple answer there, isn't it? And then uh, our final question here comes from uh, Jonathan Warner. Uh, by the way, he does great work uh, bracketology-wise. Go follow him on Twitter, at Bracketologist3. Uh, he wants to know, can you trust Florida to win in the NCAA tournament? Jonathan, my answer here is pretty simple. 
I sure as hell hope so because uh, I picked Florida to get to the Final Four in the preseason. And uh, while I continue to say I don't trust them right now, I sure hope we can uh, trust them in the NCAA tournament because uh, that would uh, make me feel better about my Final Four pick because right now does not uh, feel too great. So, uh, all right, guys, that'll wrap up uh, this episode of the Lockdown SEC Podcast. I love you all. Those questions are great. I love the weekly mailbag. It's just so fun to do because we do get a lot of random questions, and uh, I always enjoy it. Very entertaining uh, to do. So be sure you subscribe to the podcast, any podcast app you use. Search for Lockdown SEC. Uh, that way you'll get these episodes each weekday. Uh, it's been a fun start here on the show, and I appreciate all you guys for listening. Uh, continue to share with your SEC fans. We'll have a lot more stuff coming up like i said not just on sec basketball that's what's going on right now we'll talk sec football sec baseball uh gonna be a lot of fun so subscribe to the podcast follow me on twitter at the blake level and uh have a great weekend and i'll talk to you guys next time here on the locked on sec podcast part of the locked on podcast network